you would open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. It is a privilege to preach to you tonight. Thank you again, Pastor Powell, or during the day or driving down the road whenever you see this. One of the real joys I had several months ago was examining this idea of joy. What is it that gives us joy in life? And I concluded, and for the child of God, one of the most joyful things you can do is being involved in the lives of others. That is counterintuitive in our world. Our world says the way to be happy is to stay away from people and their problems, unless those people are doing something good or nice for you. And the scriptures really take the opposite tact. And they say that there is no greater joy than invest in the life of someone to help them come to Christ, see them disciple, pray for them, and then help them begin to disciple others. And you see that outline here in the life of Paul with Timothy, and you get a little microcosm of that in the book of Colossians, chapter number 1. We'll read those first eight verses, and we'll be brief just these moments. Paul, verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is in all the world, and brings forth fruit as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned of Epaphras, our fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9 says, For this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you would walk worthily, worthy of the Lord in all blessing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And he continues on. And for time's sake, I just want to look at those first verses and offer you some help in this area of praying for others, this area of being an intercessor. I've just simply entitled it Making a Difference in Prayer. Making a Difference in Prayer. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I pray that you would bless, Lord, these such strange times. So we're thankful for technology that lets us communicate across the miles. We're used to it on radio and TV and Certainly is a little different watching things on streamed or phones or tablets. On a, but I pray that the medium would not matter as much as the message. Would you get honor and glory right now? Father, we love you and we need you. I pray in these moments, God, that you'd be honored. Remind us again how to make a difference in prayer. I ask this in your son's precious name. And amen. Amen making a difference in prayer. I think of all the spiritual disciplines 
that we are used to or feel like are commonplace, I would suggest to us in prayer, and for those of you who didn't watch the other little video, I'll be uh, sitting uh, instead of uh, standing, just difficult for me right now. But I would encourage you, uh, maybe even to consider uh, what you think of this idea of prayer and praying for others. I suggest to you that praying has really fallen on hard times, fallen on hard times. It's hard to imagine a least attended service in a time of called prayer, uh, whether that is a special Saturday morning, whether that's a after a lunchtime idea, or that's simply a it's simply a Wednesday night or midweek a service. Uh, people just don't seem that interested in praying. I think prayer has uh, begun to be heckled. If there's any doubt in your mind that the idea of praying <clears throat> is laughable to so many, watch the response when a politician, a newsmaker, or just your average somebody on social media uses an expression like love and prayers. God forbid every time we have a national catastrophe, whether it's a school shooting or a flooding, and people say our thoughts and prayers are with someone, you can watch for the, for the animosity to just come screaming out of every corner. As people say, it doesn't do any good. And that's just an empty thought. Now, to be fair, if all you ever mean by praying is the expression love and prayer, like telling someone good luck when they want to put out a fire with a squirt gun, then I would agree that that deserves to be heckled. But that's all what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about an empty sentiment. And by the way, I think that is truly one of the more common lies we tell. I will pray for you or praying for you. Because if the church of Jesus Christ prayed as much as we say we prayed, <clears throat> then when the people of God said, I love you and I'll be praying, people would desire that and they would honor that. And there wouldn't be near as much heckling going on. Prayer for others I suggest it's fallen on hard times. I suggest it's heckled. And I would remind us that praying is hard. Praying is absolutely, positively hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to be consistent at. It's hard to keep a list. It's hard to concentrate. It's hard to pray. But I suggest it's not just hard, but it's worth it. It's absolutely a privilege to pray for others. I even suggest to you that prayer is <clears throat> prayer is one of the most rewarding privileges of the believer, particularly praying for others, what we call intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. George Barna suggested that whenever you look at a congregation of people and you found them to be vital, <clears throat> full of vitality, and impacting its community, the common denominator was prayer. 
was prayer. Over and over and over again, one writer suggested that of every five churches surveyed, every five churches examined, perhaps five would have what he would call a vital, dynamic prayer ministry. Prayer is, praying for people is one of the great privileges and important privileges for the believer. We see it here in the text, and I just offer it to you quickly. Prayer is always directed to the God of the Bible. To the God of the Bible. Verses 1 and 2 and verse number 8. Particularly, verse, excuse me, uh, for this call, excuse me, verse 9, do we not cease to pray for you and desire you might be filled with the knowledge of His will, His will. Verse number 2, we pray grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is always this way. In fact, we see the Father and the Spirit and the Son. We see Trinitarian prayer. Prayer is not to be directed at a statue Prayer is not to be directed at uh, at an at an object or an image. It's not to be when I grasp a piece of jewelry around my neck. Prayer is always directed to the Lord. It is on His behalf, and it is through Him. Prayer is that medium of communication, and one of the ideas of prayer is that it is the work of intercession. In just these next few moments, I just want to pick out different attributes of intercessory prayer, that is, praying for others. If praise is declaring how great God is, if the generic idea of prayer is simply communication with God, if supplication is asking God for my needs, an intercession is praying for others. So what does that look like? It is hard work, and if it has fallen on hard times, if we do such a poor job with it, what does it look like? Well, prayer has at least, intercessory prayer has at least these components. It has the idea, first of all, of grace and peace. Intercessory prayer is interested in grace. My definition of grace, and I like God's riches at Christ's expense, That's a wonderful uh, little acronym. But I always think grace is something that you desperately need, that you don't currently possess, that has been provided by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Grace is something that you desperately need, but you don't currently possess. It's been provided by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We must have grace. And Paul begins here, I'm praying for God's grace, what you desperately need but can't produce on your own, the divine enabling of God. See, when people understand what they need, someone said, what have you needed these last 10, 11 months? Same thing I've needed all my life, the grace of God, the divine empowerment of God, the enabling of God. So when I pray for people, I'm praying for God's grace. When people have God's grace, there's that second phrase there, the idea of peace. The word peace is a word we get 
we would later get an idea of, of integrity from. It's not just the cessation of hostilities, but it's a, it's a weaving of life together. It certainly involves being right vertically with God, horizontally with others. We use the word oppositely. Used most of the time, we say, "I am falling apart," or "My life is disintegrating." What we need is it to be together. When there is grace, then we can see peace. And when people come to Christ, when we intercede for them, particularly to be saved, we see their life finally come together. We see their life begin to make sense. And so Paul here says, hey, I want you to know I've been praying for you for grace and peace. There's a second idea. That is the evangelism of laws. When you pray for others, you should be praying for them to be saved. And I just want to pause. Is there anybody you consistently pray for who doesn't know Christ? I worry. Francis Schaeffer said we've lived so long in the Christian ghetto. We've lived so long in the bunker. that We've forgotten to pray for others. I've told our folks for years now, reason we don't see more people saved is we're not praying for more people to be saved. We don't talk to lost people. We don't invite lost people. So furthest thing from our mind right now, the media climate, the internet climate, the Twitter climate is to attack those who we disagree with over even mundane issues. I suggest a better use of your time is to pray for those who are lost. Verse number three, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul prayed for them before they knew Christ. He prays for them now that they know Christ. There ought to be a burning desire. One of the best things you could do is hit pause on this message and write down on a piece of paper everyone you know or everyone you suspect may not be right with God. What a difference would change our well, it would change our services if every time the doors were open, you had on your heart someone who was lost. How many more family meals would be made more productive? How many Christmases would change? How many opportunities in the workplace for a lunchtime chat would be different if that morning before you left the house, you'd called out their name in prayer? If intercession has to do with the evangelism of the lost, has to do with the growth of new believers, verse 4, and the love which you have to all the saints. Verse number 10, you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. You ought to be praying for new believers to grow. Boy, I uh, said recently, panel I was on uh, for a National Association for Real Baptist and they asked me, well, it's one thing, one thing that I would wish in the next 10 years. I didn't hesitate. I said, there, there is so much good that would happen if our churches would be full of new believers. I actually said, I wish we would have strong, positive, numeric growth, not by transfer, but by evangelism. A bunch of new baby Christians in our churches would fix so many things, would solve so many problems, it'd cure so many ills, it'd fix so much gossip, 
It fixed so much navel gazing. It, it just would do so much. And when we get, when there are people who come to Christ, they need to be surrounded in prayer. Because being justified by faith is not all immediate sanctification. They've got needs. They're going to have problems. The devil's going to attack them. And Paul says, I've prayed for you since I heard of your faith. God help us. People come to Christ. They've got all this baggage. And usually the simplest thing we do is not pray for them. We criticize. Paul here says, man, I prayed for them. Number four, he was thankful. Intercessory prayers, thanksgiving. You want to change your attitude towards your church staff. You want to change your attitude toward deacons. You want to change your attitude toward your other church members. You want to change your attitude toward your church. Thank God for them. Get a copy of the directory. Take a page at the time. Thank God for the people of God. Thank the Lord for those who he's put in your path. It's hard to have a bad attitude when you're thankful. When I get down and discouraged, I've kept the box of cards. I've kept every text message, every email. To the best of my knowledge, I've tried to reply in some sense. Any social media communication, when I'm down and discouraged, when I'm upset, when I think I've let down my family or my church, one of the simplest ways for me to get the right mindset and the right attitude. <clears throat> one of the ways, simplest ways to do that is to be thankful and to call out people's name in prayer who have been such a blessing to me. Paul says, we thank God for you. There's a fifth idea there. You pray that the word of God would be proclaimed and that it would spread, verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Where have you heard before in the word of the truth and the gospel, which has come to you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit, as it does also in you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. We could spend a long time in those verses. Let me just simply summarize. <clears throat> Part of intercessory prayer is praying for the word of God to spread and to be proclaimed. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I'm not a prognosticator. Don't know I understand demographics all that well. But I can explain anecdotally that our people, and that is the Church of Christ here in the United States, we're not real interested in the Word of God. We're casual in our attendance. We're carefree when we're in the service. And we're almost complacent to the point where it's silly about any type of Bible reading. We're lackadaisical in our support of missions and prayer for it, and we're not that interested. Christian schools have taken unbelievable hits in attendance and engagement, and all this has to do, I believe, in a large sense, because we one time stopped praying that the Word of God would go out in power and authority and in truth. Or the intercessory prayers, we pray to that end. Pray to that end. We pray for spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit, again, verse number six, that the word would bring fruit. The word would bring fruit. Specifically, here he's talking about evangelism. <clears throat> verse number nine and ten, he talks about sanctification or growth in grace from the word of God. Pray for spiritual fruit. Would you do that? Would you on your list pray for 
God to be obvious and evident in people's lives, that the Spirit of God would produce fruit in them, spiritual fruit, one of the joys. And, and as we uh, are closer than we've ever been to being empty nesters, we continue hopefully to pray for spiritual fruit in the lives of our children. We pray for spiritual fruit in the people of God here at uh, Arden Valley where we serve. But to pray that way. When's, when have you, who are you praying for that Christ be formed in them? They would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to pray for that. We pray for the Spirit of God's work. Again, verse number 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Again, verses 10 and 11, we see the Spirit of God at work. I don't know where we became scared of the Spirit of God. I don't know how we did. But we operate real well off a half sheet of paper and three emails. We're very interested in our tech, and I'm glad for it. We're thrilled about the AC and the heat. But we can do so much on autopilot, and we're a lot more concerned about bank balances and the beauty of a building than we are the fact it's been a long time since the very presence of God was in our midst. I always say it like this. I heard somebody say years ago, I want any lost person to always feel loved and welcome in any service. But God help us when lost people feel comfortable in our services. God help us when a guy can be sneaking around on his wife and a wife sneaking around on her husband and a guy hung slam over and, and all this kind of stuff and never feel the Spirit of God conviction in their heart. We need to be praying for the Spirit of God to be at work he prays for Christian leaders. He calls them by name. Verse 7, he talks about Epaphras. We have, we have over and over again with the spiritual, excuse me, leaders of the church. You don't pray for your pastor. I'm close to saying you sin against him. You don't pray for the pastor and his family. If you 20 years ago said everybody lived in a glass house, I suggest to you due to social media, they live in glass houses with telescopes pointed at them. Pray for them. Pray for your Christian school teachers. Pray for your deacons. Pray for those who minister to you. Pray for those in authority over you as they give an account for your soul. Number nine there, pray for the church to function properly. For the church to function properly. Go all the way back there. Verse number two, grace and peace to you. Verse four, the love you have for all the saints. <clears throat> who is a verse seven, our fellow servant who is a faithful minister to you. You see the church, new believers, growing believers, church leadership, evangelism, missions, interaction with their missionary. You see the church functioning properly. One of the ideals you ought to have is for the Spirit of God to be at work power of God to be on display, the truth of God to be preached, and the church of God operating healthy in a healthy manner. And then finally, intercessory prayers focused on heaven. 
and eternal rewards. Focused on heaven and eternal rewards. Verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, or have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? Verse 12, he's made us meet or acceptable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. So you pray this way, because you're not focused here, but you're focused there. Ravi Zacharias famously repeatedly said, that heaven is a wonderful fringe benefit, justification by faith, forgiveness of sins, all of that, all of that is the meat of the gospel. Heaven is just a fringe benefit. We do this and we labor in prayer because we're focused on the hope that God has provided. We are focused on eternal rewards. I would never have thought, never have thought, ministry in the U.S. would be as difficult as it is. I would never have thought 10 miles of this building, 15 minutes of driving, the latest research we paid for just a few months ago, there'd be over 120,000. That's 120,000 people on any given Sunday don't attend any house of worship anywhere. We're surrounded by three mega churches in that same 15 mile or 15 minute drive radius. There are two major highways. I 40 is eight miles away. Mississippi Parkway is a mile and a half. I 75, it's about 13 miles away. We are conveniently located. And yet we see church after church after church, half empty parking lot. In the midst of the COVID-19, this past Sunday, we saw the baseball and the soccer fields overrun with people. People are calling the schools child murderers while they take their children to the games. We live in such a messed up world. We live in such a world of convoluted values. Near in the buckle of Bible Belt in Knoxville, we see overwhelmingly people not interested in the things of God. We must focus on what's eternal, those rewards. I suggest to you, there are probably a few more, but I offer these to you to stimulate and to challenge you to the privilege of interceding for others, of interceding for the folks in your church and the lost people that God has put in your circle of influence. Someone has suggested that a praying group of people change the world, and I suggest A praying group of people is one of the only things that's ever going to change the world. Praying to the God of heaven for his will to be done here on earth. God bless you. Thank you for praying for us so much. We love you.